Hi, I'm Aubrey Charette. Thanks so much for joining us today on the podcast for Harrisonburg Nazarene Church. Please subscribe for updates and new episodes to this podcast. Also, you can now search for our podcast on iTunes, Spotify, TuneIn, Stitcher, and Google Podcasts. Join us each Sunday at 9 and 10.30 a.m. on Facebook Live. Be sure to like or follow our page while you're there. Well, this morning, I want to begin uh, with a little bit of a story that involves my kids, involves my family. Just a couple years ago, we were doing something that families do. We went to the zoo, and we're walking around and looking at different animals and all the things, and there was one particular animal on that day that really caught my attention. And it caught my attention for a few reasons. First of all, it's 600 pounds. And uh, while there was a fence between me and the animal, the fence could have been a little thicker, I think. It was a Bengal tiger, okay? So I, I kind of walked around the corner, and it's there. And it was probably plenty far away, but I took a few steps back just to create a little extra cushion there for my comfort. But as I was looking at this really majestic creation of God, 600 pounds, huge, just kind of observing and watching, I began to read a little bit about the tiger, and I discovered something that I did not know before, that tigers exist in isolation. Uh, They live their lives, except for when the mom has her baby cubs and spends a little bit of time raising them. But from the moment that they're ready to leave their mom's side, tigers live their lives completely and totally alone. They don't have the typical family structure that we have with a mother and a father. and They don't travel in packs. They hunt and they live the majority of their lives completely and totally alone. And it fascinated me a little bit, but it also made me kind of sad for this solo tiger walking around at the zoo. And I was thinking about that tiger this week as I'm thinking about the series that we've been in called All Together New. And the reality is, the truth is, the truth from God's Word is that you and I were not created to be alone. We were not created to do this life alone. We were created to be in community. And over these last couple weeks, we've been looking not at my ideas, not at my thoughts, but at God's thoughts and his idea for community and a call to community. And in this world that we live in, it's never been more important than it is today. Several weeks ago, we began by talking about the call to community as really a call to gather. That you may not have seen it, you may not have picked up on it, but just a few minutes ago, while we were singing, while we were giving, while we were praying, there's something happening in the room. And it's hard to explain, it's hard to quantify, it's hard to... But there is power simply when we come together as the body of Christ, that we're encouraged that we may have felt alone, and, and then we realize we're not, and there's just power. There's power in their call to gather. And last week, we talked about the call to community is also a call to give. That we, uh, in the gift of community, we actually have an opportunity to give, not just have our needs met, which is important and good and godly, that community benefits us, but in our call to community, we actually give to others. We actually have the opportunity to be a blessing in someone else's life. And some of us in the room didn't think that was possible. We didn't know that we could be a blessing. We didn't know that we had anything to give. But in the gift of community, as we come together, we realize that God can use us in someone else's life. Today, I want to uh, end the series and close uh, this time that we have together by reminding us that the call to community is a call to grow. 
It's a call to grow. And this morning, if you have your copy of Scripture, I want to invite you to turn to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. And uh, if you have uh, your Bible with you or your version Bible app, I'm going to ask you to open it today because I, I, this passage that we're about to read is really rich. But I think it's really important that you have it in front of you because uh, this may be something that you continue to read through in the days ahead. I'm going to do my best in the little bit of time that we have to unpack of some of the rich stuff that's happening here. But the Apostle Paul writes this book, writes these words to community. This was not written to one person. It was not written to an individual. It was written to the church in Ephesus, to community. And so specifically, we're going to begin reading now in verse 11 of chapter 4. And then we're going to come back and uh, break it apart a little bit, unpack it a little bit, and see what God has to say to us about the power of community, specifically our call to grow. I'm going to begin reading now verse 11 of Ephesians chapter 4. It says, So Christ himself gave the apostles and the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then, verse 14, then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by the wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people and their deceitful scheming. Instead, Speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Again, this is rich stuff, deep stuff for us. And so what I want to do, if you have your copy there in front of you, I want to go back for a few minutes. And I just want to look at, starting with verse 11 through 13, what is it that Paul's saying? Because he's saying a lot. And in fact, verses 11 through 13 is one sentence. It's one very long run-on sentence that I would not have been able to get away with in my English class. But Paul has the audacity to try it here in Ephesians chapter 4. But what I want to do is I want to unpack a little bit. The New Testament was written in Greek. And we, we don't do Greek. We don't speak Greek. And so there are some times where the word, when it's translated, we don't really get the full understanding. And while it would be really exciting for me to spend an hour just talking Greek with you, most of you would be way checked out by then. And so what I want to do is, at the risk of trying to engage everyone in the room, I want to spend a few minutes unpacking just a few things that are happening here. Paul is telling us that there are leaders for the church. This community that gathers, that God has given us leaders, and specifically, if you look in verse uh, 12, the purpose is that they are, the body of Christ is to be equipped for acts of service. This is not just uh, menial tasks. These are acts, tangible acts of service, acts of love, that that is what the body, that is what we're to do. We're to be equipped for works of service so that, what's the purpose of being equipped? So that, if you see here, the body of Christ can be built up. And that word there, to be built up, is this crazy Greek word. And it's got two parts to the word. The first part of the word is oikos, which is house. The second part of the word is doma, which is roof. And so literally when Paul is saying to be built up, he's saying be built from the ground up, built all the way up to completion that we are called as the church, we're called to be equipped. Why? So that we can be built all the way up to completion until we reach unity. 
We reach unity in our faith. We reach unity in our knowledge of Jesus. And we become mature. Mature. And then he uses this phrase at the end of verse 13, attaining the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. I want you to understand that for a minute, that what Paul is saying, he could have said, you can become like Christ. Like, imitate him, a little bit like him, uh, bear his image, like the shadow. If you squint really hard, you'll see Jesus in you. But that's not the terms he's using here. Look at what he's saying. He's saying that you will become mature, attaining the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Like Christ. I mean, there's no other. He's using extra adjectives that he doesn't have to use so that there's no way around us seeing and understanding that he's saying The purpose of the church is to be equipped, to be built up. Why? So that you can reach unity and maturity. Yes, the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. That's your purpose of the body of Christ. That's why you're here. And then, look with me in verse 14. He gives a powerful illustration of what this maturity, of what this whole measure of the fullness of Christ is not. So again, one long sentence, 11 through 13, powerful implications about who we are as the body of Christ and what our calling is. And then in verse 14, he gives us a powerful illustration. Read it again with me. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves, blown here and there by the wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people and their deceitful scheming. It's important to understand that Paul is writing to a church in Ephesus where more than likely every single one of the people that call themselves believers in Christ are first-generation believers in Christ. That they, they have become Christians and there was no one ahead of them. There was no grandmother or father or mother of the faith. That they are first-generation believers in Christ. And so because of that, he's writing to a group of people in a time where it would be really easy for them to be young in their faith, to feel like they didn't have the heritage or the, the experience. Or the, but he's challenging them, you cannot remain infants any longer. I know a little bit about infants. We've had a few in our home. And so I was trying to think of the best way to illustrate what Paul is trying to say here and what it means to grow, what it means to grow in maturity. And so I brought two visuals with me this morning that I think speak pretty clearly to me in my mind about our call. Some of you remember these days. You you remember these days well. And uh, part of our story is we have four beautiful children, and our first three were all in school. And we were like at that chapter of life where they get on the bus, and you're like, Ooh, that's cool, you know, but then uh, the Lord led us to adopt a little girl, and so now we're reliving the toddler years, like we had forgotten those years, and so um, this seat represents a lot of stuff, and a lot of memories, and a lot of, but there's something about this seat that is the identity, the persona, the thoughts, the feelings of whoever sitting in this seat is somebody being served. I mean, you're sitting in this seat because literally you need to be strapped down and held in place because you don't know what's going to happen if you leave the person alone, right? I mean, the food might get in the mouth. It might not. It might go this way, that way, all over the place. The persona of the person sitting in this seat needs a little help, a little assistance. In fact, uh, you know, the identity of the person sitting in this seat, we'll get to this one in a minute, but the identity of the person sitting in this seat is feed me. <laughs> me give me that. I want that. I want it now. Get more, more, more. Me, 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 right? That's the identity, the characteristics of the person sitting in this seat. And rightly so. <laughs> My two-year-old is probably how they should act at that age until the moment comes when they graduate from this seat 
to this seat. Now, uh, over the last year, we've been changing a few things in our kitchen, and we have like this uh, island now where the really exciting thing for our oldest kids is they really were excited to have stools that they could sit at and eat at the island. That was like a cool moment for them, their first bowl of cereal at the counter, you know. But the problem is this seat is very different than that seat. And so if I were to take my two-year-old and just plop her in that seat and she finds her way in it from time to time, it doesn't typically end well. She's fallen a few times. She gets, she gets stuck. She does all kinds of things. Why? Because she's, she's not mature enough to be able to handle the responsibilities of this seat. Because this seat implies that there's some independence, some responsibility, some ability to be able to feed myself, to care after myself, to be careful that I'm sitting the right way, and I don't need to be strapped down and held down, and I think the food's going to generally get in my mouth, right? There's different implications about this seat than this seat, and what Paul is saying to us is, as the church, we are called, we are called uh, that we are to be equipped, we are to be equipped, why? To grow, to be built up towards maturity, and that we are no longer here anymore, Again, he's writing to a church, a group of believers. It would be really easy to hang out here because they've never done this before. They've never had the faith modeled for them. They never, in fact, in their own uh, faith, in their own family, they're probably ridiculed because of their faith. They're first generation believers. But he's saying, you cannot stay here anymore. You've got to grow. You've got to grow towards maturity. And can you imagine? Can you imagine if you came to my house for dinner and there was a seat like this and you assume that my two-year-old, but instead of my two-year-old, I start to climb in the seat and you're like, what is going on here? Like, how weird would that be? Creepy, right? But for some of us in our faith, we exist here and we stay here. When Paul's saying, no, 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 as the body, in community, you are called. You are called to be built up. Why? Because you're not here anymore. And he gives the analogy, right, that's not just that, but you are not tossed to and fro by the waves, that because you're no longer infants, that you are, you're not blown here or there by every teaching, that you have a solid foundation of maturity. And then... <laughs> I'm almost done. Verse 15 and 16. So he begins by giving us this powerful introduction of who the community is and what we're called to be as the church. And then he gives this one verse illustration of what maturity is not. And then he comes back and reminds us again in verse 15 and 16. I know you've heard it, but listen again. He says, instead, instead of this, speaking the truth in love, we will grow. We will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. And from him the whole body joined and held together, every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work, that we are called to grow. Why, why? What, what's the point of growing? Well, we're to grow into the body of Christ, that literally Christ is the head and we become his hands and his feet in a world that desperately need to see him. That is the maturity that we're called to grow into, that we're called to grow and be his body. His body grows. And the body of Christ, literally, if Christ is the head, then the body has to function in unison. It has to work in order. Some of you, 
that are like athletes, you know when everything's functioning well, you're doing great. But, but then there are times when not everything is functioning real well in order. Some of you could say an amen. Because Wednesday this week, we, some of us from the church got to go help uh, JMU students move in, freshmen, for the first time. Get to welcome them. Welcome to Harrisonburg. We're so glad you're here. And by the 20th mini-fridge, up the three flights of stairs in an unair-conditioned dorm, I was not looking good, and I was not smelling good. I'm just telling you. And so the next morning, when I got up from the bed and I took my first step, I'm just here to tell you, it did not feel like everything was working in unison on that day. It felt like this part was over here, and this one's falling over here, and this is... uh, It did not feel like everything was working as cohesive as it was intended to be. But that's what the body's supposed to do with Christ as the head that we are built up. We, towards maturity, to become his body, his hands and feet in the world around us. That is what we're called to do. You say, Adrian, what, what does this Ephesians 4 stuff look like? What does it look like when the body of Christ is growing like that, when it's being equipped for acts of service and when it's being built up towards maturity, the fullness of Christ? What does that look like? Well, I'm so glad you asked because we have Acts chapter 2. And if you've been here the last couple weeks, we've started in Acts chapter 2, and today we're going to end in Acts chapter 2 because Acts, the book of Acts is the church is born. And it's not born because they had a meeting and said, what do you want to do? We should have church. Let's do this. No, it's the Spirit of God is moving. And as they obey Him, and as they follow His lead, stuff begins to happen. And I want you to see on the screen behind me what happens in Acts chapter 2 is the church grows as community, as we're called together, and we grow. Look at what it says. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, and to fellowship, and to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day, they continued to meet together, to gather in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes, and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. I want you to see here that the body grows. The community grows, and and it's growing in knowledge It's growing, in Acts chapter 2, we see it's growing in serving. It's growing in experiencing the power of God. It's growing in praise. It's growing in community. It's even growing in number, as the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. This is a community that's growing. So this morning, as we prepare to close in just a minute, I... I want to close today and close this series with some godly wisdom, some godly advice from Ephesians chapter 4. This isn't my idea. Praise the Lord. These aren't my thoughts. That's a good thing for you. This is the word of God for us today. And what I'm about to say to you, I want you to understand really clearly why I want to share it with you. What I'm about to share with you, I don't have any uh, intention. It's not to motivate you to do something. It's not to get you to join a life group. It's not to get you to come to church more often. That's not the motivation for why I want to share what I'm about to share with you. I, I want to share what I'm about to share with you because I care about your soul. And I care about your future. And I care about your future one week from now. In one month from now, in one year, in 10 years, I care about where you spend eternity. And so because of that, 
I want to close sharing with you about what I'm about to share. It's not to guilt you or shame you. or to, Man, that's not it at all. But as we read in Ephesians chapter 4 about what the community is, what we're called to do and how we grow, I want us to close today by focusing for a minute on the opposite of community. Specifically, isolation. So if we've been talking about what community does and the purpose of community in our lives, then what does isolation do? What does isolation bring in our lives? And I want to share this with you simply because I care about your soul. I care about you as a person. I care about your future. And it's clear if you read Ephesians chapter 4 and you understand what community does and what our call is together as the body of Christ, if you understand that, then you understand that isolation brings disunity. One of my favorite places in the world, I think. I I haven't been all over the world yet, but one of my favorite places is Charleston, South Carolina. It's a beautiful place to visit. It's the hottest place in the world, I think. It felt like that this summer when we were there, but just a beautiful place to go. And one of my favorite things about Charleston, there's a lot of really cool things, is the trees there. They have oak trees there that are just so unique. And if you've been there, you understand. And if you haven't, go sometime. It's great. Uh, But I'm fascinated as we're driving down the road and we see these trees that they grow up, but they also grow out. And so there's this kind of natural kind of shade that they provide. And almost like a tunnel as you drive through all of these trees, these oak trees. And they just don't have oak trees like that here. One of the first times that we went to Charleston, we got to visit a plantation. And really fascinating day to spend just learning about our history and understanding uh, about these plantations and how they worked. And as we drove onto the plantation, there was these rows of oak trees that lined the way. It was one of the most beautiful sights. And what was even more fascinating than that, as you drive through them, kind of this tunnel of trees that has formed uh, over the years our tour guide began to share about these trees and what's so unique about them is while they're beautiful and while they tend to grow together and cast some beautiful shade, what's incredible about these trees is that in Charleston, you know, we we get a lot of hurricanes, we get a lot of bad weather, and one of the reasons that these trees stand the test of time is because what you can't see is while they look strong above the surface and while they look like they can withstand a lot... What you can't see is below the surface that these trees grow roots that are deep, but their roots don't just grow down deep by themselves. They grow together. The roots of these trees are actually intertwined. And so while one tree could withstand a lot, because these trees grow deep roots together, they can withstand so much more. It's a beautiful image to me of community. And when we isolate ourselves from community, when we isolate ourselves from other godly men and women, believers in our life that want to pour into us and build us up and equip us, the things that we just talked about in Ephesians chapter 4, we are actually bringing disunity in our lives. That if we're not being built up and if we're not being equipped, then the fruit of that is going to be disunity. And perhaps you think you can make it, and perhaps you will for a season, but eventually you're going to turn around and look around and say, man, I, I need people in my life. Next, isolation brings immaturity. Immaturity. I know this is a hard one to swallow, but according to Ephesians chapter 4, in community is how we're built up and how we're equipped to become mature. The fullness of Christ. That's what we're called to do. And so if we're withdrawing from godly community, then we stay here. 
as spiritual infants. There's an immaturity to our lives that we will never... It's like me, a grown man, crawling into this chair. It's ridiculous, right? But when we withdraw from others in isolation, the fruit of that, what that produces in our life is immaturity. Immaturity. And this immaturity creeps into every area of our lives. It creeps into our attitudes and our habits and our relationships The fruit of disunity is immaturity, but the fruit of disunity is also ignorance. Ignorance. That according to Ephesians chapter 4, our knowledge can't grow. Our foundation can't be built on something that's solid. That's why when we isolate ourselves, we're susceptible to being blown side to side, tossed back and forth like it says in Ephesians chapter 4. That we're susceptible to just seeking our own truth. And what seems right to us. And how our emotions might feel in that moment. And and that's a dangerous way to live. And so when you isolate yourself, there's an ignorance. There's an ignorance in your life. And that's a dangerous place to be. Finally, finally, isolation breeds death. It brings death in our life. And you say, whoa, 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 pastor. I think you've gone too far. I, I, I get it. But just look at what the scripture says. That we're called in community, and through community is how we grow. It's how we become mature, like Christ. It's how we move away from this seat to that seat. And so, according to Ephesians chapter 4, if we grow in community, then the opposite of that must also be true. That isolation means we don't grow, and we stay the same. And we never grow, and we're never sharpened, and we're never equipped, and we're never challenged. And you show me something that's not growing, and I'll show you something that's dying. The opposite of growth is death. Too harsh? Maybe for some. But what I want this morning is I want some of us in this room to have a wake-up call. Not so that you'll join a life group. Man, that's a great thing, and we believe in that, but that's not what it's about. For some of us in this room, it's simply about taking a step, a step towards community. I'm going to invite the band to come, and and as they come, and as we prepare to close in worship and in prayer today, what is the posture of your heart in regards to community? I believe today you're either leaning back or you're leaning in. And the posture of leaning back means that you're leaning towards a life of isolation, towards a life that says, I don't need anyone else. I can do this on my own. And I get that it's vulnerable. And I get that it's scary. And and maybe some of you have been hurt so badly by community that it's so hard to even... But but I'm going to ask today, would you consider taking a step? Instead of a posture of leaning back, leaning away, today, would you allow the posture of your heart to be, God, I'm going to lean in towards godly community. For some of you, the first step toward community is making that phone call, sending that text message, reaching out. You know you've needed to for so long, and today you're praying, God, give me the courage to take a step towards community because I I don't want to live in isolation. I don't want what isolation brings into my life. I want the fruit of what godly community, godly relationships with other believers can bring into my life. And there's always a temptation in our human nature to run from that. There's always a temptation to isolate yourself. There's always a temptation to believe, I'm okay. I've got it. I can do it on my own, but I'm just here to call us back to the truth of God's word. 
that isolation in your life is going to bring a whole lot of destruction, a whole lot of despair, a whole lot of disappointment. And I want to invite you today back to community. Jesus, I'm praying today for your church. That's who we are gathered here this morning. And Lord, this morning, it's not about behavior modification. It's not about acting better. That's not it. Today, it's really about our hearts. And so, Lord, if in our hearts today we've been leaning away from community, we've been distancing ourselves from godly men and godly women who want to help us, who want to walk with us, who want to build us up, Lord, would you help us today to take a step towards community? And we're relying on your Holy Spirit to tell us, to show us what that step might be. But the posture of our hearts today, Lord, is not moving away from community. No, Lord, help us to move towards it. Thank you for this gift, this gift that we don't have to do this alone. You haven't called us to do this alone. Thank you, Jesus. What a gift we have in community. We love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name. Thank you again so much for listening today. Email us at info at for any questions about our church. We have two gatherings every Sunday morning at 9 a.m. and 10.30 a.m. and a third gathering at 11.45 in Spanish. Celebrate Recovery also meets here each and every Monday night at 6 p.m. We're at 1871 Boyers Road in Rockingham, Virginia, and we would love for you to join us. As soon as you're finished listening today, please subscribe to this channel for updates and new episodes.